This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Weston McKinney is completely on fire right now at Juventus, and he is at the top of everyone's mind for the U.S. men's national team as we head into the next World Cup qualifiers, which are crucial for us. So we wanted to take the question today and definitively answer it as much as we could. Is Weston McKinney the best U.S. midfielder that's ever played? And maybe we'll take the first question of, is he in the best form of any U.S. midfielder that's ever played? So before we get to it, I do want to just mention, we're not going to consider players that their main position was usually as a forward or a wide midfielder. So someone like Landon Donovan or Clint Dempsey aren't necessarily in this bucket. It's really focused around central midfielders for the U.S. men's national team. So with that, we're going to take the pod squad, Ryan and Geyser Slout in Germany, Tom and Chet. Uh, I guess you moved back. You're, you're back, back in New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and I am Jake in London. So guys, what do you think? Let's talk about form first and foremost. Is Weston McKinney in the best form of any U.S. midfielder ever? For me, it's really hard to deny that this is the case, given, given he scored a couple times recently for Juventus. Uh, he nearly got the game-winning assist in the fantastic match they played against Roma recently. And even though it's hard to quantify, just the level that he's playing at and the prestige of the club that he's doing it with have just been far and away mind-blowing. And it's clearly the best soccer he's played in his life. He's undroppable for Allegri and just, you know, continues to be the engine of Juventus's midfield, which is amazing to me. Yeah, I think what's interesting to look at right now is, uh, you know, I definitely watched him a lot when he was at Chaika, and to see the different player that he is just a short time later has been amazing to see his growth there. He's a player that's, you know, for Schaika, he was kind of a utility player. Sometimes they played him at center forward. He played center back. Pretty sure the only position he didn't play for them is goalkeeper. And, you know, in a pinch, I think he could probably even do that. Uh, but to see him now really being like the true engine of a big club like Juve. He's defensively everywhere for them. He's offensively scoring goals for them. And he he just really seems to be, like Tom said, you know, you can't replace him right now in that Juve midfield. So, I you know, I'm trying not to be too, too caught in the moment. I think we'll t- discuss a lot of really good players that have represented the USMNT and had really impactful careers as center midfielders. But uh, right now, I, you know, it's it's pretty impressive to see where he is and where he's growing and still, you know, has a little bit of more room for growth. So excited to see where he could potentially get to as a center midfielder. And what a long way he's come as well. Not even just about the you know issues in camp when they were in Nashville and all of that stuff, but just the fact that six months ago we were kind of talking about Tyler Adams in the same light, at least for the U.S. men's national team, but just about how important he is to this team and to our drive. I think when you look at both of those players now, you can really see the drop-off when Weston McKinney, like in our last game, he had a card accumulation. And although we had basically everyone else available, missing McKinney meant a lot to our team. And I think the more we can start to see that where 
there's that drop off from whether it's Adams or McKinney. Those are quickly becoming two of our most important players. I would even argue more than Pulisic or Gio Reyna. For sure. Yeah, we just don't have the same depth. Yeah, it, I think there's there are some good like for like, uh, not necessarily like for like because it's hard to put people on the same level as Pulisic, but. I don't think we see such a difference in the level of play when we have guys like Weya and Aronson that can fill in for players like Pulisic and Gio when when they're out. Um, if anything, you know the way those two have been playing, it's I think it's going to be hard when Gio does come back into the roster to to really break necessarily directly into the starting lineup. So it's cool to see the depth we have there, and you know everybody's everybody's favorite center midfielder for the USMNT of Acosta. And Sebastian Legette, you know, they're they're just not at the same level as these guys, and we're and that's who we're relying on. It's it's a shame that Greg isn't making selections that I think a lot of us would like to see with players like Luca De La Torre. Uh, Busio's been you know gradually getting better day by day. Tessman's kind of lingering in the background, but it's just not the same replacement level that we have for our wingers. Yeah, so I guess if he is the most informed USMNT midfielder ever. Is he the best? There are a lot of really good players that he's walking in their footsteps for. I mean, we we all came to this doing our research. I think a lot of us actually had different names as well. Um, so I guess like just let's put it out on the table. Yes or no question right now. And then we'll kind of argue and and debate specific players. But maybe Tom, we'll start with you. Is Weston McKinney the best U.S. midfielder ever? While I think he's in the best form ever, I think it's really hard to say he's the best ever, even just at the club level. Yes, he's probably got the best accomplishment of scoring goals for Juventus in the Champions League and leading them to uh, Copa Italia Cup Final and winning it, uh, scoring in another one. He's he's played really well over this last season and a half. But when you look at the long European careers that some of these players have had, there have been some accomplished midfielders that the U.S. has had in this uh, last 20 30 years or so. And so as we discuss them, there are players that when you look at their whole career, I think it's probably better still than what McKenney's done over the last year and a half or so. I think it's close. Uh, it's it, uh, There's a reason we're doing a whole episode about it because it's a really interesting discussion to have. Um, as far as club career goes right now, um, from everything that I, I could find on watching old videos of some other USNC players <clears throat> that I think it's it's pretty undeniable right now at club level. Yeah, he's definitely the best center midfielder that the USMNT has ever produced. But I think it's really important to look at this holistically. And I think how you play when you're wearing the crest, uh, you know, makes a significant difference. So he still has this is still kind of his first World Cup qualifying cycle. So he still has to show what he can do on the big stage. And right now, if he continues his current form, then I think when we're talking about Weston in the next five to eight years, uh, I think it won't even be a debate anymore, but it's fun to have it right now. Cause we still, there's a lot of unknowns for the rest of his career. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's a lot of seeds though, that you can start to see of if he's already at this level at such a young age, his progression, like you mentioned the type of player that he was at Shaika. I, I feel like this is kind of a natural progression of the player that he was. He's just really taken it to, the ultimate level and for me it's like Juventus wouldn't have paid or even went for the player if they didn't think that he could make an impact on the team and I know we're arguing about is he the best USMNT midfielder but we could make the case at this point that he's the best Juventus midfielder on the team 
Yeah. I so, think that's so, pretty obvious right now, at least in yeah. current form. Yeah. Who who are the other players for the U.S. men's national team that are in contention for you guys in this conversation? So I think as the senior statesman, am I? Jake, I'm 34, about to turn 35. I'm 30. 25. Yeah, so as the, yeah, yeah, I didn't have to ask Tom. No need. <laughs> um, we knew that. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, as the, as the senior statesman, I want to go back to, you know, kind of the 94 World Cup and some of the players that helped get us there, or one specifically that I think was really influential, and that's going to be Tab Ramos. Uh, you know, we can talk about his playing career, and then we can also talk about how he's impacted U.S. soccer, too, as a coach. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, in the 1990-91 season, uh, he got to play in the Segunda Liga in Spain, to where he even went on to have five goals and 38 appearances for them. And again, we're talking about 1990, and this is when U.S. like soccer players were like under contract for the U.S. soccer team. So they were able to buy him for $250,000, which, you know, in the early 90s, that's a pretty healthy chunk of change. And in just two seasons in playing in the Segunda Liga, that he was sold on to Real Batiste for $400,000. So back then, those were big transfers. Um, you know, he never did get to make his uh, Premier League debut unfortunately, with some injuries that took place. But, you know, he was definitely a super impactful player when we're talking about the 1994 World Cup. Um, unfortunately, he was able to play pretty much every minute until he had the skull fracture in that game against Brazil. Uh, so just a, a brutal injury. If you guys, you know, are kind of new to the game and new to checking it out, I recommend just going back and looking at, you know, that 1994 World Cup because, it was a really, really interesting one to watch. He was one of the first players, uh, along with Winalda and Marcelo Balboa as well, to appear in three World Cups for the U.S. national team. Uh, appeared in, Like I said, appeared in all four matches for the U.S. 17 in the 1994 World Cup. He assisted on Ernie Stewart's uh, goal-winning game against, or game-winning goal against Colombia. And then he was also a huge part of the 1995 Copa America squad, where he played 250 minutes that finished fourth. So this is a guy that before we had big players playing abroad, he was kind of one of the first players to kind of to crack that list a little bit. Um, and, and also, too, and in my opinion, one of the best goals that you've I've ever seen in World Cup qualifying was the goal that he scored against Costa Rica in the 79th minute late in the game. And it was a game that the U.S. needed to win to help push them towards making it to the 98 World Cup. And the layoff to him and just the way he laced it, he was a more technical player than other U.S. soccer players we had at that time. And he stood out so much on the field because of that. So I, I look at him as kind of the start of, you know, these center midfielders that we had that were creative and, you know, really changing the way that U.S. soccer was kind of looked at. So dual national that, you know, thank God that he ended up playing for us. And he went on, obviously, to coach as well, our U-20 side for a long time. So his impact with U.S. soccer to me is, is really impactful. And I think that it's, it's, it's a player that maybe doesn't get enough credit. Recently, people saw him at Houston, and, you know, he obviously didn't do too well coaching there. But every single time he took a U-20 squad to the World Cup, it was always exciting. We always knew that, you know, he could put a squad out there and give them the framework, but still let them have creativity to, to play as, as they could. So for me, I don't know. I think a player that play that had eight goals, 36 assists and 121 appearances 
in MLS and also had a huge impact for the U.S. men's national team. Bare minimum deserves a shout is one of the OG. I think my big problem with sort of the OG guys is they sort of all had to sacrifice half their career when MLS was founded. A lot of them came back at the end of their 20s to sort of finish their career in MLS back when it wasn't a great league. The competition wasn't what it is now. And so you sort of have to look at the stats they have at the end of their career is sort of being almost inflated a little bit because they're playing to develop the U.S. game and trying to, you know, get MLS off the ground and sort of pave the way for the next generation. So you sort of look at your players like Tab Ramos and they had amazing careers, but that time at MLS, they were not, you know, playing the same quality of opposition that someone like McKenney plays with week in, week out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, he, I would definitely, if I were comparing the two side by side, uh, obviously McKenney and with what he's doing in today's game, I would rate McKenney higher. Uh, mm-hmm. Just wanted to give a good shout to like, just historically what, where we came from to where we are, I think is just kind of a fun topic of conversation. Yeah. I mean, but there's other great players from that era who you could bring up. I mean, one of mine that I have to bring up is Ernie Stewart. I mean, like we said, he played at multiple World Cups for the U.S. He also still holds the record for club minutes abroad. He played, what, 450 games in the era of He had a season where he'd scored 17 goals and was third in scoring. He's had a illustrious club career and is another one who's been to multiple World Cups and you know showed out for the national team. So he's another one from that era you've got to look at as saying, you know, his career is worth a shout. You could put it up to McKenney's and it would be a really interesting discussion to have. I feel like the level of club that McKinney is performing at is, I guess, like side by side indicative to me that he would be rated higher. But it's so hard to have that discussion, right? Like you can't scoff at 17 goals in a top league. And one of the, mm-hmm. the first people to, to do that abroad. Tom, I thought you had a really interesting point about uh, sacrificing some of your best years to MLS. And for me, the person that kind of embodies that is Kobe Jones, someone that started mm-hmm. out their career at Coventry City while they were in the Premier League and was a key player for them, but then essentially spent 70 to 80% of his entire career at LA Galaxy and also can't downplay his impact being in backyard soccer. If you guys ever played that computer game, Kobe Jones with the hair. <laughs> was awesome. um, Dude, yeah, Kobe, someone Kobe started, Jones, Kobe Jones definitely there. the best uh, modeling career of uh, any yes, 17 player as well. That Beautiful all white, human being. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that all white shot from uh, where he's, he's got the white top and the white pants and, uh, you know, the positioning here that he's in is a little awkward. <laughs> there, it was goes back to the, the Landon Donovan drinking out of the water fountain. Uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, definitely be sure to go look those up. They're pretty classic. I don't think I feel like we've had a few of those moments in the modern era with Pulisic on the couch like this. And yeah. I mean, McKenney's pretty styling, so I wouldn't put it past him to give him give uh, Kobe Jones a run for his money either. There. Fair. For sure. Yeah. Al- along the same vein, I mean, you look at a player like John Harks, who had, what, it looks like over 100 games in the Premier League, or at least in the championship, and then has to go to MLS for the rest of his career and ends up sort of going around MLS for about six, seven years to finish out his career. He's another one who had a goal of the season in England. Worthington switches it to Hart on the right. That's a good effort. Oh, what a tremendous goal! 
his first ever in English football and one he'll remember for the He's only the second player who's American to score in the League's Cup final. He was a huge player for Sheffield Wednesday. He has 12 goals in his career in England, so he's another one who, if he had been able to stay there, could have had a much longer career, could have reached greater heights, but decides to go back to MLS and sort of help get the league off the ground once it starts up, which is a huge deal. And we're where are we are today because of players like that, but it sort of like ruins their ability to sort of compare directly to someone like McKenney over the whole course of their career, because I'm assuming McKenney is only going to play a couple of years, if that, at the end of his career in MLS. Yeah. So I guess if we're kind of saying, okay, those are the guys that paved the way, they deserve credit, but they're probably not quite in the same conversation. Who's the who's the name or who's one or two names that like you really have to think about when you're placing McKenney and you know these one or two other guys on this pedestal? I feel like the name is Michael oh, Bradley, right? Yeah, I think Michael Bradley's got to be the name that you sort of first bring up. I think the only other one that I have who played ma- majority of their career in Europe is Jermaine Jones. The two of them are probably the ones that hit the greatest club heights in the last 20 years who were American players. I'll throw Claudio Reyna out there as well. Um, mm-hmm. A career pretty mired in injuries, but what he was able to accomplish at Rangers, Man City, like across some of the best leagues in Europe and play a really critical part in those teams. He was uh, one of three U.S. players to ever make the all-tournament 11 at a World Cup, the only midfielder to do it uh, in 2002. I feel like Claudio Reyna, he, yes, he was paving the way for other people, but he was doing it in such a way that he was performing at a level where nobody can really touch what his accomplishments were. Uh, for some of those teams. Now, I will say, at the time, Man City was not the club that they are today. They were, you know, just breaking into and trying to get into the Premier League at the time. Um, but still, at the same time, to to not include Rangers as a huge club in Europe. I mean, I know we talked about James Sands moving there recently, but as in the early 2000s, Rangers and Celtic were some of the biggest clubs that you could find in Europe. Um, so, yeah, I, I do actually agree Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones are kind of the two more recent examples, but Claudio Reyna for me also has to be in that conversation. Although because of the injuries, I feel like his contributions were cut short. He also made a move back to the New York Red Bulls in the last few years of his career. So it's, it's hard for me to not kind of lump him back into that sacrificial lamb type that paved the way didn't do as much as they could have if it was the modern game. Two things I like. So one, does the additions made to USMNT soccer does does Claudio get credit for Geo as well? Like he added Geo to the <laughs> USMNT. Like I, I think he gets like double points almost for that. <laughs> but Geo doesn't play center midfield, so he does some. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll up, give him the kudo. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, but also too, we're noticing a trend here. It's, it's been really unfortunate. Some of the high level center, mid, center midfielders that we've had have, have just had careers that are been riddled with injuries. Uh, again, I'm going to show my age here a little bit, but I think it's important to remember John O'Brien. I mean, a guy that unfortunately did have a career that was riddled with injuries, but Holy crap, man, when he was healthy, I mean, this is a guy that went, he was kind of the first young USMNT player at at 17 years old to go be picked up by the Ajax Academy. He ended up finishing his career with 63 appearances, 
yes, he primarily played left back for them, but he definitely, when he was with the USMNT, he played a lot of central midfield for us as well. So to have 63 appearances in from like 98 to 05, when not a lot of Americans were playing abroad, uh, you know, he was kind of setting the, setting the stage for what, you know, McKinney and a lot of our younger players are doing today. Uh, you know, he did try to come back. He was on Chivas USA for a hot minute, but only made one appearance for them. Um, I, you know, he scored a goal in one of the biggest uh, victories in USMNT history and had an assist to Clint Mathis uh, against South Korea. But in that Portugal game to start out the 2002 World Cup, scoring that first goal to kind of in the first like three minutes to get everything started uh, was just, you know, really impressive. Storch corner. And he's a player, again, just had a ton of injuries, but he was really our first player to go abroad to a big club and kind of make a name for himself because Ajax was still a monster at that time. So for him to be able to be a part of that was at such a young age and to be kind of one of the first to do it, pretty impressive. You know, he also, um, he, he won the Dutch Ederese Twice, won the Johan Cruyff Shield, won a Gold Cup in 05, was on the Gold, gold Cup Best 11 uh, in 05 as well, or was an honorable mention at least. So, again, not comparing him to Weston McKinney, but just a guy that had a world of talent and is another center midfielder that we had that was just riddled with injuries. And it's, you know, a story of, of playing center midfield. I think it speaks to that as well. It's just a brutal position to play. Um, so, you know, I think we'll see a little bit of a trend of guys that could have potentially made it to Weston's level, but unfortunately injuries cut him a little bit short. So on that note, I think, you know, everybody take a quick knock on wood. Let's hope, you know, Weston continues to stay healthy. If anything, every injury Weston's had, man, do the, the guy recovers so fast. It's incredible. (laughs) Every time he's like, oh, he's going to be out for eight weeks. Yeah. He's going to be out for eight weeks. Two weeks later, he's like in the starting 11. It's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Before yeah. we get to Jones and Bradley and maybe Reyna to, to have that kind of final debate of if Weston McKinney is the best USMNT midfielder, I feel like at, on the topic of injuries and careers cut short, we need to give an honorable mention to Stu Holden, who I feel like we could legitimately be having in the same conversation if he didn't have two ridiculously unlucky injuries both in a row, um, one with the national team, the next with Bolton. Um, Like his career, his trajectory, his skill set was so well put together for such a young player. He was breaking into a Bolton side that at the time, again, if you're new to the game, you're like, Bolton, who cares about a League One, League Two (laughs) team? They're they're not like they were in the Premier League. They were in the thick of it. They were a mid-table team. And Stu Holden was a huge part of that team. When we were waking up early to watch Tim Howard at Everton, you know, Stu Holden was also on that list of people that you had on the match day. I just feel like Mm -hmm. that's one of the ones that hurts, probably because that's when I I really started to appreciate the game and start to watch. But man, oh man, did Stu Holden have everything ahead of him. And I think his name would have been in this hat if he had had a, a few more years in that league. Yeah, and props to Stu Holden. He Speaking of that injury, he just got his knee replaced this week, and so hopefully that's finally that's not right. bothering him anymore. Um, but yeah, he had. Do I talk about club form? He probably had 
one of the best club forms that we've seen from a U.S. midfielder, probably up there with McKenney's current form. He took that Bolton team to seventh in the table into an FA Cup semifinal before those injuries hit. He was he had them rolling and they were beating good teams. He was he was an excellent player. And I really wish that he could have had a full career because, man, he could have really helped this U.S. men's national team over the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. He was way Um, better on the pitch than he is in the booth. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I like him in the booth. I think he's one of the greater. He's one of the best commentators we currently have in the booth for me. Not that we have a lot of competition for that, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe a different uh, debate topic for another time. <laughs> for sure. Uh, okay, guys. So before we get to Jones and Bradley, pause this video, go into the comments, and let us know who you think the answer is. I know everyone's gonna maybe jump on Tom for saying Michael Bradley, but he's legitimately at the top of my list as well for kind of the next in line of the person that we have to talk about. So let us know down below in the comments before you hear our answers. because We, we want to hear from you, but let's go through this. So we, we essentially have, you know, 3.5 names, right? We have West McKinney, Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, and maybe Claudio Reyna. All right, let's, let's jump in. Jermaine Jones, um, Ryan, you're our German expert. You've taught everybody how to say Shika today. Tell us about Jermaine Shika, Jones. Yeah, I, I mean, if you if you want to go full to it, it's it's Shika Nofia because you got to get that O four on the end. But so yeah, I mean, <laughs> with him playing at Shika Nofia for 129 caps and for 129 appearances and seven goals, he's he was one of the players that you know he was the engine of that 2014 World Cup team. And had an illustrious career playing for, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt, came up through their academy, and then made appearances with Leverkusen, um, and you know, eventually moved off to Besiktas, and then came over to uh, MLS. I wouldn't say he had the greatest MLS career, but his time over in Germany, he he was definitely revered as one of the, one of the better midfielders in the Bundesliga at the time. So he was one of the players, too. As a dual national, he wanted to hold out and see if, the, if he could make it onto the German national team. He appeared four times for him for Germany when he was with the U-20s. He played for the U-21s, made, even made three appearances for their senior national team. So, uh, you know, I think to, if we're talking about in comparison to McKinney, does McKinney today break? Because uh, we're talking, he made appearances uh, that Jermaine Jones made appearances with the Germany squad in 2008. Like that was a juggernaut team as well. Like, so just an interesting question that I would pose to you guys it, without being, you know, German experts or anything like that or knowing their full roster gut reaction. Does, does Weston McKinney make it onto a German national team squad today? I mean, I feel like you kind of have to take it one by one, right? Like, is he better than Thomas Muller? Is he better than Ilkay Gundogan? Is he better than Goretzka? Julian Brandt? Like, yeah, Drexler. Great shout. I mean, Havertz, if you put him in the midfield instead of at a forward, those are really close, really close for me. I I feel like he at least makes a 23. I don't know if he's in the starting 11, but he's genuinely, he's close for me into the starting 11. Yeah, I think that he makes a squad. I think that he, maybe like a qualifier, not a World Cup roster, but I think that he would get a look. If he was playing right now, and eligible for a German national team, he would be getting looks in camps to get a chance to prove himself. Yeah, I agree with you. And like the the appearances that 
uh, Jermaine Jones made. Yeah, I think, you know, they were probably in friendlies. I don't know for sure, but they weren't in impactful games. Hence that, you know, he was able to make the one-time switch over to the USMNT. Uh, so they must have been friendlies and not any sort of a qualifier. Um, but, you know, we want to look at impact, too, that you made with the national team. Because uh, it's, you know, McKenney doesn't have much on his resume right now just because he's still so young and accomplishing so much. But, uh, you know, for he's all He's got those a Nations League goal. He's okay. got three goals true, against true. Mexico this year. <laughs> and he yeah, was the world ball at the Nations League. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think most players that or most fans that have been watching the USMNT for, you know, at least since like the 2014 World Cup right now, everybody, and I mean everybody, can still hear the sound of Jermaine Jones' shot hitting the back of the net against Portugal. You can see corner, it wouldn't drop to a white shirt, now it has. Jones. It was one of the yes. most amazing goals that I've ever seen in a World Cup. The bend that he put on it and just with the absolute power that he did is something that sure is in McKenney's locker. But again, when he gets the opportunity, I think McKenney will perform very well at a World Cup. But we just have to still see him do it. So, uh, you know, having the impact that Jermaine has had and the goals that he scored in a USMNT jersey, keep in mind we're, we're not even talking about how he performed at the Copa America Centenario. He pre performed very well there as well. Um, so right now, I still would say overall, if, we're, if I'm looking side by side, for me, it's still Weston McKinney. But Jermaine, like what Weston's doing right now at such a young age is kind of what you expected to see from Jermaine Jones when he was 26, 27, 28. So I think, you know, we're, I think if you compare that player to the player McKinney is today, they're fairly similar, but the potential and where West, where we see Weston going is what puts him that level above. I think we, we are, I mean, it's a conversation, right? We're getting a little carried away with his age and his potential, but he's also performing now he's performing in his role now. Mm -hmm for a team like Juventus. So yes. you did, you made really good points about Jermaine Jones at Chica. You made great points about him with the national team. I'll also say again, if you're sitting there thinking what the hell Bolton's in the second or third division, what the hell Chica is in the second division in Germany, they were a right. champions league club that Jermaine Jones was leading. These are massive clubs. But, but yeah. if we're going to talk us men's national team midfielders. Michael Bradley is the best one we've ever produced, especially when you consider his national team form. And it's, Still not even close for me. McKenney could get there, but someone like Bradley has played for here in Wien. He scored 16 goals in the season there. He has played at Brucey Munch and Gladback. He got a loan to Aston Villa. He played at Chievo Verona back when they were in Serie A. He played for he had 41 appearances for Roma, which is another massive club in Italy. When you take into account his national team form, he is second, third all-time in appearances. He's tied for ninth with Ernie Stewart all-time in goals, and he's second all-time in assists. He has had a legendary career for the U.S. men's national team. He was a huge part of that 2010 World Cup run. He was obviously a huge part of the 2014 World Cup run as well. He, I mean, you talk about great goals. Do you guys remember that chip he scored last time we played at the Stadio Azteca? To Chirito being harassed. Bradley's going to escape from Herrera. Bradley trying to chip on Joa, and he scores! Michael Bradley! 
I said in the first two minutes, Michael Bradley was stepping up, closing down these Mexican midfielders in possession, and then the awareness to see Ochoa off his line, he has a look up right here, and he's thinking in this moment, can I pull this off? And that is a world-class effort. Chipped Ochoa sure, from 45 yards. Goals ever. Yeah. No, he's he... He broke onto the scene in 2009 with the men's national team. He helped us through that Confederation Cup run that's probably the best run of form the U.S. men's national team has ever had. He just, for me, it's, it's not even close. And even when you consider his MLS career, he goes on, he goes to Toronto and immediately takes him to, what, three finals and wins MLS Cup. He's, he's wherever he's gone, he has played well and performed well. His career is obviously marred in current U.S. men's national team fans' minds by the disaster that was the 2018 run. But when you look at his career as a whole, that's only a small part of what he's done. And he had a legendary career. It's still going, but yeah, he had a legendary career up to the last few years. You can't judge him by the hard fall off at the end when you look at his 20s, which were spectacular. It is just a shame, though, that that is essentially the taste that's left in everyone's mouth. And that's recency bias. Like, we can't really escape that. It is a little bit of recency bias, but I'll also say too, it's it's how he handled it in the press is why he is villainized. If if he had a you know had a little bit more humble pie before going out there, but you know stealing the Zlatan line of the lion doesn't care about the opinion of the sheep, that's in my opinion that's that's a scarf that says Mexico is my second team. Like for you to basically give the bird to all the fans when you didn't just qualify and, and instead of responding in an appropriate manner and just apologizing to all those people that supported you throughout this. For me, that it, it just leaves a real, you know, it, it makes it makes it really hard for me to continue to support you after that. Because I know that I've so I I loved you for years. And like when you were playing over at Roma and you were one of our few guys that were playing abroad and really making a name for Americans. And I gave you waking up early mornings to watch you in games. And, you know, I, I traveled to come see you play for the national team. And you're, and in the end of the day, you basically tell, tell me that you don't care at all about us. It's hard, hard pill to swallow, but you know, I, I don't think we're, we're comparing him as his talent on the field and definitely on the field. I mean, he was referred to as the general when he was playing for Roma and to, for, to have that type of nickname and that type of love from the fans from such a big club does speak to the, the talented player that he was, for sure. I need, yeah. I need someone to fact check this in the comments, but I, if this is just my memory, but I feel like he was the general for Kievo Verona, and he didn't have the Ooh. best relationship with fans at Roma. Um, and that's not to say he didn't perform well. He had the 43 appearances but I think, and I'm going to argue with Tom on this point, because Tom, I think what you're saying is it's pretty far and away that Michael Bradley at this point is the best USM and team midfielder ever over Weston mm. McKinney. When Michael Bradley was at Roma, they had a midfield of Daniel De Rossi, Alessandro Florenzi, Eric Lamella when he was good, <laughs> um, Marilyn Pjanic <laughs> as well when he was at the top of his game. And he wasn't necessarily a starter for that team. He had the 43 appearances, but he wasn't part of the starting 11 regularly. I feel like Weston McKinney on a similarly skilled team is kind of locking himself into that starting 11 position. And for me, 
again, like it's hard because he hasn't done it consecutively for years and years and years. But if we're talking about someone that's reached the, not the pinnacle, like Weston McKinney still has room to grow. But if Mm. we're saying this is the top that anyone has ever achieved for the U.S. men's national team or someone that is a U.S. national in Europe, I feel like Weston McKinney is starting to inch a little bit higher than the heights that Michael Bradley reached at Roma. Yeah, he's starting to reach the club form. I think that he's probably actually surpassed Bradley's height as a club player, but he's still not touching his national team form. McKenney plays great for the national team. He's an engine that really keeps the midfield going. We've talked about how important he is, but Bradley on his day was dominant for the U.S. men's national team and took them to wins over some of the best teams in the world. Heck, they knocked off a Spain team that went on an insane run after that game, didn't lose for like three years. They... That Bradley in the midfield for the U.S. could pull the strings. He could hit passes that I don't think I've ever seen another American be able to hit. He's just his skill set was amazing for the national team. And while McKenney's is great, I still think it's got another level to get up to sort of be on Bradley's level. All right, Ryan, I do want to offer you a last word because I have one more big question to ask before we end this episode. Is there anything you feel like we missed with this, with Michael Bradley? No, I don't think there's anything we missed with Bradley. Uh, you know, I think Tom did a great job. The The shout out of the win against Spain, I think, is if we want to talk about the biggest win in USMNT history, I'd say it's pretty fair to say that it is that win in the Confed Cup. Um, you know, obviously some some big games in World Cups, but like Tom said, to beat that Spain team when can't remember the exact number, but you know, they it's were, like they were up there like, yeah, I think yeah, I was thinking 38, but something like that, that, that they hadn't lost a game like 33, 38 games. And, you know, no one gave us a chance. Uh, and so it was pretty impressive to be a part of that squad and then to captain the USMNT going forward. Uh, so I think Tommy make a good point club level. I would say McKenney right now for sure has, has surpassed it a little bit on the national team. It's, it's still to be determined. Um, but just for everybody listening, I would like to, you know, just kind of point out that like, we're all just playing contrarian here. Like we want to bring up other points of views and other names and we agree. Let's, if we could go into final words here, I, I think we all agree that the answer to the original question, yes, as, as of right now, even as the young midfielder, McKenney is the best center midfielder the USMNT has ever had. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> nice. All right, no more contrarian views then. It's locked <laughs> in. Um, and we want Weston McKinney to continue producing for club and country. So guys, make sure to let us know what you think in the comments down below, what points you agreed and disagreed with. And we will see you later in the week as we get back to the podcast for the next episode. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.